Coming to you from North Central Ohio, we share with you the voice of the Nazarene, a week-by-week venture into the Word of God sponsored by the Bucyrus, Ohio Church of the Nazarene. We join our pastor, Reverend Ray LaSalle, and the voice of the Nazarene. Here, I want to take you into a passage, the great book of Joshua, chapter 4. And Joshua became the man of God that led the people into the land of promise. Beginning in verse 19, and the people came up out of of Jordan. On the tenth day of the first month, encamped in Gilgal in the east border of Jericho. Now catch this. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan did Joshua pitch in Gilgal, and he spake unto the children of Israel, saying, now catch this, when your children shall ask their fathers in time to come, saying, what mean these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you until you passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up from before us until we're gone over. The same God that got us through this last year. And that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, and that you might fear the Lord your God forever. Now, does that mean that God does good things for us all the time? No. Fact of the matter It's during the adversities of life and the hardships of life that uh, we come to know God a little better. I'm glad to know that he's the lily of the valley because I've spent a lot of time in the valley. And you'll know God on a different level during hardships, reverses, adversities, difficulties. Now, I want to pull from verse 21 these words, what meaneth these stones? Talk to you about the stone. Here's a little background for the story. The children of Israel had come to the Jordan River. And the Jordan River is at flood stage at this point. They didn't have any convoy of ships. They didn't have any boats. No rafts, trying to get a two and a half to three million people across the flooded Jordan River. And God intervened and stepped in and parted the waters and dried up the Jordan River. And they crossed over. And God said to Joshua, I want you to gather some stones out of that riverbed. I want you to take 12 and carry them to the other side and I want you to pile up these stones in such a way that any generation coming along sees those stones, they'll realize that they're not there by accident. There must be a purpose by the way that they're piled up. And there'll come a time when young people will come and they'll notice these stones from another generation on the last What do these stones mean to us? You can begin to tell them about the goodness of God. You know, I I read that and it amazed me 
This is not the first time. God had other times asked for stones to be piled up as a memorial. Back in Genesis 28, there's a guy by the name of, uh, of Jacob. Jacob had been on the run. Jacob had a unique life. He's exhausted. He'd lived in the flesh so long. And he needed to have an encounter with God. That night as he laid down, he didn't have mypillow.com. All he could find was a stone. And he took this stone and laid it down and put his head on that stone. And that night God showed up and God did a work in Jacob's life. Jacob was so God that he, the next day, didn't want to forget, never got over that time. He took the stone and he poured oil on it. And he said, this stone is a reminder right here of what God did in my life. You know, I wonder sometimes we have all these gadgets and trinkets that we gather around us. I wonder still of a lot of trinkets, maybe what we need is a lot of think let's things that remind us of what God has done for us in our lives from where he brought us from what he got out of our shirt pocket and out of our rear pocket and what he cleaned out of our refrigerators and the change that God has brought into our life some thinklets I was reading on and in first Samuel chapter 7 the Israelites defeated the Philistines. It was a battle they should not have won. So God, wanting them to always remember that it was he that helped them to win the battle, he told Samuel, I want you to gather some stones and put them in a pile as a memorial that they'll not forget and call this place Ebenezer, which means God helped us. Now let's go back to the gist of the story that we're beginning with. God told Joshua, pile up the stones, 12 to be exact, for I want the young people when they come along to see these stones and ask, what do these stones mean? Can I just stop there for a moment? May I say to you that there are people that we need in our life. Don't be a, a lone ranger. Everybody needs a tonto. Sister or kid needed a sidekick. All of us need somebody. There are three people that every one of us need in our life. I know it's not in your notes. I'm just freehanding it here for a moment. Every one of us need a Paul in our life. Somebody who's been where we have not been. Do you remember what he said in Corinthians 11:4? He said the uh, Follow me as I also follow Christ. In other words, follow me because I'm following Christ. I'm a little bit ahead of you, but I'm reaching back to you and helping you to catch up. I'm trying to be an example. Every one of us need a Paul in our life, somebody that has experienced what we have not yet encountered and can, can give us some guidance in life. We not only need a Paul, we need a Barnabas. We need... As uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 38 tells, this guy by the name of uh, Barnabas, his name meant encourager. He was a God that could come and give you a boost, could lift you up, make you feel good. It's kind of like the little boy said to his dad, Dad, let's play darts. I'll throw the darts and you tell me how wonderful I am. All of us respond to praises and raises. 
everybody needs that encourager. You say, well, I just need somebody to confront me. Well, it won't be Barnabas, it'll be Paul. Barnabas is an encourager. You say, well, how can I tell if people need encouragement? I can tell you how to tell if they're still breathing. Because everybody needs encouragement. That spouse of yours needs to be encouraged. That son or daughter of yours need encouraged. Mom and dad need to be encouraged. Grandparents, everybody needs a boost. Everybody needs somebody to come along and lift them up. But we also need a Timothy. And Paul had a young man that he was pouring his life into. He said, I'm pouring into my son in the faith. I'm mentoring him. I'm guiding him. I'll always remember uh, Ann and Betty Dillinger telling me about a couple up in the area of Tiffin at their church that they attended who came along and pulled them to one side and taught them how to be churchmen. Taught them how to be churchmen. I probably ought to stop right now and say, there's a lot of young couples here that we, we need you for the future. I look at the board and I, I look, it's like looking in the mirror. I see a lot of aging. And I thank God for this board. And I thank God for those who are involved in leadership. But I'm telling you, we need a new generation coming on that we have enough time to mentor you. And we can't do it if you're not a member. We're needing leadership for the future. We Nazarenes of Bucyrus, we need you to understand what we believe in and what our doctrine is and what we teach from the word of God for future leadership. And all of us need to have a Timothy in our life, somebody that we're putting our time and our energies into and, and all of that. May I move on to say, back to the story. The Bible said, I want you to pile up the stones. There's a new generation coming on. They're not going to know. And I want the older generation to tell them what those stones mean. And an old man is supposed to tell them, this is what these stones tell us. These stones represent to us, first of all, the stones mean that God is interested in the next generation. Let's not be such a stick in the mud that we're not concerned about the next generation. That's why little churches are closing all over America. They weren't concerned about the next generation. They were too busy maneuvering who could be in charge at the local level at that time. And they're gone now. It's not about not being willing to change enough to make a difference for the next generation that's coming on. God's interested in young people. I believe that God's interested in the church going on. I think it's why he said, I want those young people to come along and I want them to see something and they're going to ask, what does this mean? Let me tell you, I'm interested in the next generation. When I hit my 40s, I realized evangelism and revivalism as such was over. 
The economy in America changed and suddenly the wife had to go to work and men and women, wife is working one shift and dad works the other shift and kids are left to shift for themselves and everybody's so busy and inflation hit and along came Hollywood and television and suddenly folk were so busy and the school demanded so much more time of the kids, suddenly they didn't have time for revival. I thought, I've got to get out of this thing. It's going to close in on us. I believe I could be an evangelist and pastor of a local church and get folk in and we can keep them. I'm interested in another generation, the next generation. Been for a long time. You say, well, been a lot of change around B and C and I'm not for all the change, I understand. But every last one of you, 31 years ago when I came, you didn't have computers, you didn't have iPads and iPhones, and you didn't drive Model Ts anymore either, do you? Been a lot of change. You say, well, I'm not comfortable with it. Well, I can tell you who to blame. You're looking at the guy. I'm responsible. Not every change was perfect. Not every change that we made worked out. And some change was hard to come by, and most of us, cost us a lot of blood. But we've grown as a church. We didn't fold while other churches around us were folding. I don't know if you've caught on to anything. Had to outlive a lot of enemies. Trail hadn't been easy. But thank God we can reach the next generation. First thing I thought of, I've got to get started. What am I going to do? And I thought if we reach the next generation, we've got to have a child care. And we worked on coming up with sunshine. We worked on starting upward basketball and that ministry's growing and, and it's moved on. I remember hiring a youth staff. We hadn't had any in the years. An amazing thing happened with, with youth, leadership, staff, paid staff. Suddenly we got focused on not just being ingrowing and root bound, but we realized there's a world out yonder and there's a university and there's district camps and children's camps and youth camps and we need to get our kids away from just here and get them into the camp setting. I was holding a camp out in the state of Indiana and they asked we we're needing somebody to help us with the youth. I said, why don't you use my youth guy? And we piled in about 28 to 30 of our youth and headed them out to camp meeting and an amazing thing happened. They came back converted. They came back with a call of God to ministry. And if you go to our young people right before that, including my own two kids, most of them aren't in church now. Very few of them are red hot for God, but from that time of getting them involved in camps, we've seen them called to preach, and we're still seeing them going out from here into ministry. It's a beautiful thing. I believed in excellence. I wanted excellence because... We've got a new generation coming on. I didn't think we needed to have somebody come up in the pulpit and, and start to sing and miss the timing and said, start that tape over and, oops, the devil's fighting me. Would you play it again and let me start again? I was tired of that kind of stuff. I wanted excellence. I tried to find the best music people I could find in the country. And we have them here. I've tried to staff this thing just right and I think that God has given us a a good staff. Amazing things are happening. We brought Michael Hurls on. He's the Paul to the next generation. 
I didn't try to destroy the music program. I've watched young preachers come in. The first thing they want to do, we're going to change everything. We're going to change the music program. We don't like the old style. We're doing the new style. They made the old folk mad. The money quit. New people didn't come, and the church folded. It's going on all across districts. Instead of fighting with the old crowd, we let them have service. We believed in them. We hugged them. We put our arm around them. We just simply started another service and allowed the next generation to have the kind of music they could respond to. I'm simply saying I'm interested in the next generation. I want to pour everything I have into the next generation. I want to pour everything I know into the next generation. We care as a leadership team and as a board and our young people enough. I don't know if you know this, but you need to know this. We're supporting students in our local university, Mount Vernon Nazarene University. We're giving up to $1,250 per semester to help with their tuition. Right now we have nine students. One's about to graduate, we're about to add three more. And it'll change the number, but we believe in them. We believe in our young people enough that we're involved in helping to fund Christian education in the local public school system. And some of our people right here are going out and teaching in that particular system. The young people ask, what do these stones mean? They mean, the old man said, that God is interested in the next generation. Do you realize pretty soon we're going to be gone? And if we don't pour ourselves in the next generation, the church will be gone too. But before you leave, the old man said, there's something else these stones tell us. They tell us that God still answers prayer. What do you mean God still answers prayer? Well, the old man said God's people were in bondage for 400 years down there in Egypt. And look what happened. They cried and God heard their cry. You'll find it in Exodus chapter 3. In bondage, in slavery. But God heard their cry. And the old man said, don't leave yet. I want to tell you something else these stones are saying. They're saying that God saves by the blood. That's what these stones were. Explain that old man. And he begins to tell them it's God's people. They're in bondage and they prayed and God's going to deliver them. And God said, I'm going to create a disturbance. I'm going to smite the firstborn of every male in every family in Egypt. Not only the firstborn, but the firstborn animal as well as person. And what you need to do as Israelites, you need to go out among your flock and find a lamb without spot, without blemish, and slay that lamb and take the blood and apply it over the door and on the mantles on either side so it looks like a cross. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. It's called the Passover. And I don't care if you're a Baptist or a Pentecost or a Methodist. None of that matters much anyway. But what I do care about whether or not you've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. If you haven't, that's where you need to go. And that's what these stones are saying. The old man said, let me tell you what they represent. God is interested in the next generation. God still answers prayer. And God saves by the blood. But something else. God supplies our every need, the old man said. Let me tell you about my people. They spent 40 years wandering around in the wilderness, a trip that should have taken only 11 days. 
But while they wandered around, God took care of them and met every need, every step of the way. When they needed water, God brought water out of a stone. That's like getting blood out of a turnip. And when they were hungry, God opened up the heavens to give them some sunbeam bread. And when they wanted a little meat, God blew some quail in. What about the clothes? Or read Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 5. God gave them clothes that never wore out for 40 years. Boy, that messed with some women and their styles, wouldn't it? Just go into the closet and there's same old thing. About look like your pastor. I know what you're thinking. <laughs> Boy, I hate to read minds. You don't want me to tell you anything else you're thinking, do you? And shoes, 40 years in their shoes, never wore out. What's it saying to us? These stones represent that God meets every need. And by the way, God is your source. Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. He's our source. Young people said, well, we got to go. The old man said, don't leave yet. There's one other thing I want to tell you about these stones. They tell us that God keeps his promise. God said, I'll deliver my people. Do you know that God made a promise over in Matthew 16, verse 18? God said, upon this rock, I will build my church. He's going to build his church. Hell can't stop the church. People can, but hell can't. God said, I'll build my church. You say, well, pastor, what's our role? What's my role? Your role, my role is to build people. And if we'll build people, God said he'd build his church. I'm trying to tell you, we need to concentrate our attention on people. One at a time. The greatest person ever lived, one at a time. People. I want to tell you something interesting. I've been in ministry a long time, and I've lived a little longer than I've been in ministry. I've been in ministry at least three years. What's amazing to me, I, I know a lot of religious leaders that love large crowds, but they don't like people. They like a big audience, but they don't like people enough to even make a call on a hospital on them or to be bothered if they want to come by and meet at the office. And I'm trying to tell you one at a time, people, people are important. People will be in heaven. Buildings won't be. And I'm saying we're within about $350,000 of being paid out of debt. We need to clear this debt, get it over with, and begin to take every dollar and begin to pour it into people. And that's why we're doing it with our students at Mount Vernon. That's why we're involved with other ministries right here in town, financing, helping to finance the Salvation Army and, and, uh, and what's the other? Uh, born. All kinds of ministries. We're involved in it. But it's nothing like we can in the future if God will help us. God's called us to pour ourselves into people. And if I'm not willing to meet with one person and talk with them, then I ought to be up preaching to hundreds. There's one other little verse, or passage rather. It's Luke 19, verse 37, of when he was come nigh, Jesus that is, 
Even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples begin to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven, glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones, the stones, once you get some stones, pile them up. He said, these stones will immediately cry out. The rocks will cry out if we keep our peace and don't give God the glory. They'll testify of me. He's saying there'll be a reminder that I'm still on the throne. But God doesn't want the rocks to cry out. God wants us to look at the rocks, our stones, and he wants us to remember what God has done in our lives. God wants us to praise him. I love Psalm 150 verse 6, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. In Psalm 47, 1, oh, clap your hands, all ye people, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. And Psalm 100, verse 4 says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Psalm 136, 1 says, oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Psalm 134, verse 2, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. So there's nothing wrong with clapping your hands once in a while. Amen. Nothing wrong with raising your hands and praising the Lord. Fact of the matter, that's about all they do in heaven. So some of us better start practicing up or we're going to really be a misfit when we get there. <laughs> Donnie Rambo wrote a song. When I was a kid, I traveled a little bit and held revivals. Hard to find singers. Sometimes you could get somebody that couldn't sing and would sing. But he didn't go to sing, sing, and be made to sing. I've told you what's worse than 10 people that <clears throat> can sing and won't sing. It's one guy that can't sing and will sing. I love Dottie Ramble's songs. That's basically what I used. Stood at the graveside of a baby and sang this playing my guitar. But I want to close by just quoting a few of the words. She wrote the things that I love, and I wish that when you went home this afternoon, you'd write down the things that you love. Just take a sheet of paper and write down the things you really love and hold dear to your heart are just borrowed. They're not mine at all. Jesus, only let me use them to brighten my life. So, remind me. Remind me, dear Lord. Roll back the curtain of memory now and then. Show me where you brought me from and where I might have been. Remember, I'm human. And humans forget. So, remind me. Remind me, dear Lord. And I hope this morning that somehow we have stirred up your pure minds by way of remembrance.
that God's been good. God's been good even in 2023. God's been good here in Bucyrus to this little ministry. God's been good in your homes. Some of you have taken the toughest licks that you've ever faced in your life, but still God's been good, hadn't he? That's why he said, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. And if we don't praise him, he said, I'll let those stones begin to cry out. There'll be a reminder that I'm still God. If you don't want me to be your God, the rocks will cry out that I'm God. Thanks for being a part of the Voice of the Nazarene. Visit us every Sunday at 9 a.m. with BNC's pastor, Ray LaSalle. For more information regarding BNC, visit BusirisNazarene.org. 